Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Diva Talk Radio. Because I'm ready to welcome you to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and like I'd like to help empower you to manage your diabetes with confidence, knowledge, and inspiration. My guests for the next hour include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, the Digital Divas, Mama Rosemarie, Jessica Isler, and our special guest Sherry from Long Island, New York. Tonight, we're throwing it back and presenting the show format in reverse with inspiration from one of my favorite old-school divas, Lisa Stansfield. In the late 80s, early 90s, Lisa Stansfield was one of the coolest pop stars on the planet. Her seductive, soulful vocals and timeless dance-pop songs took her to the top of the charts on both sides of the Atlantic, and we'll be playing some of Lisa's most popular songs throughout this podcast, courtesy of Sony Music. Now, we're presenting the show format from back to front in celebration of our fourth year of podcasting, and we're also shaking it up and changing directions because I want to highlight the term reversing diabetes. Frankly, I find this term to be very misleading. You know, the first thing I think about when I hear the term reverse is a car, and the only reason you reverse a car is because you went the wrong way. I don't like to use terms like reverse diabetes because I think they imply you did something wrong to begin with, and I don't think that's any way to change a behavior or even an attitude. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mind making mistakes. In fact, I actually embrace my mistakes. Have you ever seen my live show? (laughs) Rather than try to erase them. I think every time you make a mistake, you take one step closer to reaching your goal. And that's the type of attitude I think that could help you look back on your diabetes life, not with shame or blame, but with the satisfaction of knowing that you're giving it the best that you got, which is another quote from one of my favorite old-time diva, old-school divas, Anita Baker. I don't want to call her old-time. That's a little too uh, scary right there. But if the concept 
of reversing diabetes motivates you, then I'm all for it. As long as we could agree to disagree, and we both like this next song by Lisa Stanfield, which was released in 1991 and featured on her her album entitled Real Love. Let's take a listen. Okay, so diabetes is all a number game, and so 831 by Lisa Stansfield talks about the words to the phrase, I love you, but you know, we play diabetes numerology, which is one of my favorite games, and it's all about forming a game plan around managing the highs and lows. Later on in the show, I'll be talking to Jessica Isler, who's the educator who helped me create this game, and it's gone on to be a big part of this podcast for the past four years. Now, the four years of this crazy, sexy, cool podcast have been so much fun for me, and I just listened to our first episode, which dates back to July 2010. And you could listen to that episode as well as the other 100 Divabetic podcasts, which are available on demand for free at divabetic.org, Blog Talk Radio, and iTunes. I want to thank you all for tuning in and being part of our Divabetic community. I look forward to spending time with you on the second Tuesday of each month in an effort to inform and entertain you in a way that I hope you enjoy. I've learned so much about diabetes and diabetes self-care from hosting these podcasts, and I hope you have too. Together, I feel we are changing attitudes about the way people live well and learn about diabetes, and that is so important to me. I want to just take a minute and thank so many of my guests and regulars who've been on this show, including Neva White, Patricia Addy Gentle, Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemarie, Chef Robert Lewis, Holly Clegg, Catherine Schuler, Taryn and Jessica, who are the digital divas, Dr. Beverly Adler, Kathy Gold, Susan Weiner, Jessica Isler, Judy Wilcox, and especially LGK Marketing, who were the ones who initially approached me about the concept of hosting a pod- podcast. I appreciate everyone's hard work, dedication, enthusiasm, talent, and time for helping me put on this podcast with a little bit of podcast pizzazz. <laughs> Now I'm going to get ready to throw the show in reverse by flipping the script on our regular show format because I want to inspire you to look back at past mistakes with a new attitude. Just like Pat LaBelle says, that's what makes her a divabetic. It's about an attitude. Let's get, let's get started one more time by hearing another song from our diva inspiration, Lisa Stanfield, who stepped back in time and starred in the movie Swing featuring some incredible jazz songs like the one you're about to hear. Let's take a listen. Well, I'm never, ever going to give up my first guest. It's Mama Rosemarie. Welcome to the show, Mama Rosemarie. Well, thank you. You know, the great thing about flipping the script on tonight's show is that our listeners get a chance to hear more about you. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, so tell me, like, what have you been up to lately? I heard you took a special trip. You had a special trip recently. Yes, I certainly did. I had an amazing trip, a trip of a lifetime. We went. We took the river cruise down the Danube, and started out in Prague and ended up in Budapest. It was the trip of a lifetime. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
recommended for everybody. What was one of the things you saw that you liked in Budapest? I'm just curious. Oh, in, in Budapest, well, the buildings are just so ornamental, and they're, they are all lit up every evening, so um, it's just quite a sight to see. We think New York City is beautiful, but um, I think Budapest gives it a little bit of a challenge. It really does. The last night that we were there on the um, riverboat, the captain took a tour around on the river, and we saw the lights from the river, and uh, I just can't describe it. It was spectacular. Um, I wish everybody would have the opportunity to, to see that. Very, very nice. Well, you know, having you be a guest on the show for the past four years has been pretty spectacular, too. Do you have a favorite podcast or part of the shows that you've enjoyed listening to or being part of? Oh, I've enjoyed all the four years that I've been on. But, yes, one of my special ones was when um, Lorraine did a wonderful poem on the swimsuit era. I just really thought that was great. It made everybody feel good and um uh, she just uh, made everyone feel that they could wear a swimsuit and be proud of themselves. I love that. That was my favorite. Right. I think that's Beauty in the Beach, and it was from last July's podcast, and it was inspired by Esther Williams. Well, you know, this mm-hmm. is exciting because yes. tonight you're taking over the the sweet inspiration that um, Lorraine usually does. So we're, I'm really thrilled to hear your poem. What do you want to share? Well, you want to hear my poem? Well, I'm not much of a poetress. I'm going to leave that right up to Lorraine. What I'm going to do is give you a recipe. And since you are turning this show upside down, I'm going to give you a recipe for upside-down pineapple cake. Um, That's an old favorite of everybody's, I think. And um, I'm saying the pineapple because I think that's one of your favorite fruits. I know it's um, prominent on your fruit soup. So we're going to go with the pineapple upside-down cake tonight. Would you like to hear the recipe? I would. Okay. Well, first of all, I would like everybody to prepare their pan. You could have a 10-inch heavy skillet or a 9-inch square pan. You would sprinkle one half cup of brown sugar evenly over the butter. You're going to have... um, uh, arrange your uh, your drained pineapple, which would be those rings, and that looks so pretty on the the cake. So you're going to put the pineapple uh, into your butter and uh, brown, brown sugar. sugar. Mm-hmm. And you could also decorate that with pecan halves or cherries to let it look pretty. And after you do that, you prepare the pan. Well, then you prepare your cake batter. And here you will sift together one and one-third cups of sifted flour, one cup of sugar, two teaspoons of baking powder, and one-half teaspoon of salt. Are you doing this as you tell us the recipe, too? Oh, I am. I am. (laughs) I have all this stuff right in front of me, and I'm cooking it because I'm doing it as I tell you because I want to entertain tomorrow, and I think this will be a good treat for everybody. So while I'm doing this, after I, after I sift that, I'm going to add one-third cup of soft shortening and two-thirds cup of milk, one teaspoon of vanilla, and one-half teaspoon of lemon flavoring, if you really would like that. 
You don't have to put that lemon flavoring in. You beat that for two minutes. And then you add one egg and beat that for two more minutes. When you get this all, all your batter done, you pour it over this uh, topping of pineapples and brown sugar and butter. You bake that for 40 to 50 minutes at 350 degrees. And when that's all done, you put a toothpick in, make sure it's it comes out clear, and you just take that pan and turn it upside down on a pretty silver tray or a pretty dish that you have, and you leave that a couple minutes, raise the pan, and here, oh, there you have a beautiful cake. You don't have to put any frosting on it or anything. It's very pretty, oh, just the way I it love is. it. Is, is that an original mm-hmm. recipe? Oh, my gosh. This recipe is, oh, as a matter of fact, I took this one from a cookbook I had from the 1950s, a Betty Crocker cookbook. Can you believe it? Well, I can't believe we just had a live cooking demonstration on our podcast. But, hey, it's the fourth year anniversary. And, Mama Rose, thank you so much for being a part of the show tonight and celebrating with us. I love that. Well, thank you for having me. I've certainly enjoyed these past four years. All right. Coming up, everybody, I'm wondering, can I have my cake and eat it, too, especially if Mama Rose is making it? Please welcome back to the show. She was on my very first podcast, Miss Jessica Isler. Hi, Jessica. Max, hi. You're back. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me back. It's wonderful to be on air with you. (laughs) Wow, can you believe July 2010, we kicked it off with a half-hour podcast, and now we're playing music. We're a full hour. We're we're doing cooking demos. I don't know what else can you want. (laughs) I cannot believe it. Cannot believe it. But I feel so privileged to be part of that original team of the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. <laughs> and you're a big part of that, and you're still a big part of it. In fact, in November, we're going to do a return to the Divabetic Makeover Outreach Program and have a reunion and talk about what it was like to travel around the country presenting dazzling form of diabetes outreach to women in Atlanta, Cleveland, Washington, Philadelphia, and more. And I can't wait. That's coming up in November. But I'm curious, Jessica, we just heard Mama Rosemary giving us a recipe for uh, pineapple upside-down cake. I'm sure some people who tuned in were a little confused. Why would you have desserts (laughs) on a diabetes show? You're a registered dietitian. So what kind of guidelines would you give us regarding sweets? Well, I mean, you know, you're asking me, can I, you know, have my cake and eat it too if I'm a person living with diabetes? And the very simple and straightforward answer is yes. However, um, there are going to be some things that I want you to think about, some cake caveats, if you will. And I thought maybe going with the C's might help everyone to kind of remember them. So um, I have three cake caveat tips that I'm going to share with our listeners. And the first one is count your carbs. And I think that one is pretty straightforward for most people, especially seasoned listeners of our um, Divabetic podcast here. But, you know, if you take insulin when you eat, you have to know how many grams of carbohydrate you're ingesting in order to take, you know, the appropriate amount. Uh, Many insulin users utilize an insulin-to-carb ratio to do this, but some may take even a prescribed amount of insulin based on following a consistent carbohydrate diet. Even if you're living with diabetes and don't take insulin, you know, it still may benefit you to follow a consistent carbohydrate diet just in order to help you eat a more appropriate amount of food overall at meals and snacks. And if this is something you're unsure about, if you don't know how much you should be eating at meals and snacks um, or what your insulin-to-carbohydrate ratio is, that's something certainly you need to talk with your diabetes educator about, healthcare professional or dietitian. So first one, count your carbs. And that second one, Um, of those cake caveats would be to cut the sugar. And I know at first blush this may sound a little harsh and that it's sometimes more popular to 
folks living with diabetes that the amount of sugar you eat doesn't matter, that it's the total carbs that do. But I really disagree, and more and more healthcare professionals are, you know, of the same mind on that. And the need to avoid too much added sugar is not simply based on the fact that our listeners are living with diabetes. It is simply that they are living. We all are, and none of us need any added sugar in our diet. It really serves no purpose other than to help things, you know, taste better for the most part. And, and that's okay sometimes, but it can lead to a host of other health concerns. So I want people to work on cutting the amount of overall sugar in your diet. And actually, Max, I recently had the privilege of contributing a very, very small bit to a very big book called uh, Sugar Savvy. And the author, Kathy Dolgen, a.k.a. High Voltage, recommends no more than 24 grams of added sugar a day, which is about six teaspoons. And most people consume four to five times that amount in a day. And this doesn't count, you know, the unnaturally occurring sugar in foods like fruits and veggies and dairies, but the added sugar in cakes, uh, cookies, candy, and the like. And so, you know, work on having less of these foods, but when you do have them, have them in, in smaller amounts. And additionally, don't stop at, you know, those likely offenders like the cakes and the cookies. Be sure to sluice sugar out of all your foods. Sodas are obvious other places where we get sugar, but also, you know, look to your favorite breakfast cereals, your frozen, quote-unquote, healthy meals, condiments, breads, more, um, to make sure that sugar isn't creeping in without, you know, you even realizing it. And really try to stick to that 24 grams as a moderate intake of sugar. And then that third cake caveat that I want to share with our listeners is to choose healthier ingredients, that last C there. The best thing about, you know, taking a look at a recipe for a cake or any dessert for that matter is that you're actually making something with your own hands. I mean, Rosemary just made it, you know, right in front of our ears, I suppose, <laughs> um, in her own kitchen. And, you know, we can have control over exactly what goes into it. Um, so choose whole foods that don't come loaded with chemicals and challenge yourself to try new things. Say, you know, sprouted whole wheat flour instead of regular all-purpose flour. I am certain uh, that the recipe Mama Rose Marie read at the top of the hour is definitely fabulous, but it does come in a little too high in calories and unhealthy fat, um, sugar, and sodium. So I did some experimenting with my boys as sous chefs and official tasters to see if I could get you know less of the bad stuff and more of the good stuff without mm -hmm. totally losing out on taste. And we were all really pretty happy with the results. And I'll definitely share the winning recipe with you. I made like three or four different versions. but um, So you can put it up on the blog along with the cake caveat tips. But in case our listeners want to get started right away, check out greatest.com. It has a really great guide on that page that gives you gives you, excuse me, clever ways to make healthy recipe swaps when baking, and I use some of their hacks, as they call them, and a few of my own ideas, and our pineapple upside-down cake went from 372 calories a slice to 138, from 16 wow. grams of fat to 5 grams, and it's a healthier fat, by the way, 41 grams of sugar to 8 grams, only three of which would qualify as added sugar because I used applesauce, unsweetened applesauce and Truvia in place of most of the sugar that the recipe called for, and 319 milligrams of sodium to just 30 milligrams of sodium a slice because I used low-sodium baking powder. Um, plus, we tripled the fiber per slice from 1 gram to 3 grams because I used sprouted whole wheat flour and chia seeds and now, it sprouted whole wheat flour in place of just regular flour, and I used chia seeds mixed with water in place of the shortening, which actually boosted some of the fiber and took away 
you know, those really unhealthy trans fats. So um, for the full recipes and all of the swaths that I use, because there are more, um, you know, we'll put that up on the blog for everybody. But, you know, really getting rid of sugar, I know, you know, and the other not-so-desirable ingredients, I know it can take some work, but it's totally worth it for all of us who are trying to live healthier lives and especially for all of our faithful diva listeners out there. So, you know, have your cake, but remember those cake caveats. Count the carbs, cut the sugar, and choose healthier ingredients overall when you can. I love it. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, Jessica. You're welcome. Thanks Thank for being, you so much. I love thanks it. Thanks for celebrating our <laughs> anniversary. Straight ahead, I'm going to talk to our digital divas, Jessica and Taryn, about their undying love for a diabetes self-care device. I'm curious to know if this is a real thing. So let's take a listen to Lisa Stansfield, our diva inspiration for July. Never mind the stars in the sky. Never mind the wind and the why. Got a feeling higher than high. This is a real thing. Ooh, Ooh la la. Okay, earlier this year, CBS aired the ninth and final season of the TV show, How I Met Your Mother. So we at Diva Better thought it would be fun to ask our digital divas tonight how they met their meters. Please welcome to the show, Taryn from Boston. Hi, Taryn. Hi, Max. Hi, divas. And the lovely Jessica Clark from Ohio. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Max. Hello, Taryn and the Beavers. Hi, Jessica. I love having two Jessicas on our podcast. It really is a fourth-year celebration. Right. (laughs) All right. So, you know, most people have difficulty when they're finding compatibility with their meters. So I'm really curious to know if it was love at first testing site with either one of you. Jessica, let's start with you. You've been living with type 1 diabetes for how long? 23 years. <laughs> okay. So, wow. Now, so what What was your first meter like? Well, yeah, not many people can probably think back to the Stone Age of what my first meter was. It was bigger than an iPhone. It required what felt like a gallon of blood, and it took an entire 60 seconds just to get your reading. It was um, pretty much a dinosaur. <laughs> All right, so I would assume you divorced that one and moved on. Yeah, um, after that, you know, anything was considered a step up. And, um, you know, sadly, as diabetes became a little more prevalent, more companies made more meters and a lot more styles. And I tried thin ones. I tried one of, you know, different colors, ones that were larger, had different features. I kind of played the field, if you will, with meters for a really long time. And what did you finally decide on? Well, when I got my um, insulin pump, they gave me a nice one that could bolus, but that, you know, the bolusing is nice, but if you're in a dress and you're hiding your meter, you'd have to go to the bathroom and undress, and, you know, it was a great feature, I thought, but I ended up getting a free trial for a freestyle light, and you can't beat free, so I tried that out, and I liked it. It was a good size. It would fit in my purse, you know, so it seemed to be working well. But I would go back to the big one that could bolus to my pump directly, and I'd kind of break up, go back and forth. But I always gravitated back to the freestyle light. No matter how many times I strayed from it, I knew I could always go back 
list. It would always take me back. It would work the way I wanted, and it would leave room in my purse for more makeup, which was what was most important for me. Oh, you are such a diabetic. <laughs> I love that. I know, right? All right. So, just I mean, uh, Taryn, excuse me. You haven't. You've been. You've been living with diabetes for just a little bit over a year. So I'm sure your matchmaking has been slightly different than Jessica's. Tell us a little bit about your experience with your meter. Yeah, well, actually, Max, I'm almost at two and a half years now. Oh, okay, I think I'm sorry. It, yeah, but I, and, and that's it, important because it took me a, quite a while to get used to testing. I remember very, very vividly uh, the first time that I um, received my first meter from the diabetes educator, and I was I was 33 at the time, so I was an adult. Um, but I remember sitting at the kitchen table crying because I couldn't do it. I, I was. I don't know. I don't know if it was what it represented or if it just, um, I just couldn't prick myself. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It was it was a horrible, I remember that very vividly. And it's funny now because I do it about eight times a day because I'm on insulin and I, I, I test myself many, many times a day doing all kinds of activities at the same time. And it's become such a part of my everyday life. But I remember very clearly that, I I didn't think I was going to be able to do it, <laughs> which it, it seems funny to me now after after all, you know all this time. Well, I know you know for a lot of listeners are going through that. We have a lot of newly diagnosed people yeah. who tune into this show. So what what finally did it? Was it just needing to know that? I mean, what what would you say to people right now who are like you said, kind of back then, like fearful of wanting to test, not thinking they have the ability to do mm-hmm. it, lacking the confidence? What would you say to someone mm-hmm. right now? I think fear motivated me, um, but most of all, I I realized that, that I had no choice. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was realize, realizing that the only way to have a chance with diabetes is to be able to control it and to be able to know where your blood sugar levels are. And, you know, that that wanting to know that, you know, that pushed me past it. I think they say it takes 21 days to form a habit. I, I think that's what it was. It was just forcing myself over time to, to, even though it was painful and I didn't like it and, it, you know, I don't know, it, it was upsetting to me at the time, um, you know, fortunately those things become second nature and it kind of lost all of those connotations and now it's just a very, very important part of my diabetes self-care. It's it's essential. I think I, I said something to you before, but I have like a panic attack if, if my meter battery dies or, you know, I, I run out of tr- test strips because... Um, it really is like a reassurance for me now. So tell us the name of your tall, dark, and handheld uh, <laughs> partner. Which meter do you use? That's great. Not the, not the Moroccan one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, not your no. husband. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, the, the name of my meter is Vario IQ, and it's really great. I, I'm really happy with it. Um, it does a little bit more than my other meters have. Um, it does averages. It also detects patterns. Um, which I like. Um, the only thing I dislike is that you actually have to charge it. And so, uh, every, you know, once in a while it runs out of charge, and, and that can be frustrating. Well, now, Taryn, wait, I want to ask you one more thing, because you had a really cute mm-hmm. tip about what made your device even more attractive to you, because you said in an email to me that at first it was so bulky, and it was kind of, like you said earlier, it just wasn't, it wasn't up to your style mm. standard. So what, you know, what made it, what did you do to it to make it yeah. a little bit more pleasurable? Yeah. 
Well, you know what? That black case that it, that came in, I felt like it was really, it, it upset me. There was something about that black case that felt depressing and it felt um, medical. And, you know, and, and once I decided to replace that case with a, a nice cosmetic case, um, it made all the difference. I used bright colors. I think Jessica does this too, actually. I believe exactly. I was going to say, I have a bright, yeah. fun, colorful bag, and it makes it yeah. so much better. So much better. <laughs> does it, Jessica? Because 23 years living with diabetes, it's got to get a, sometimes you get a little down. So, what kind of picks you up? I'm curious. I actually um, I get bags once a month from a subscription cosmetic service, and every month I change out the bag of my meter that has all my stuff in it, my glucose pads, my my everything. And if I change mm-hmm. out my meter bag, it's more mm-hmm. fun. It's something different, mm-hmm. something to look forward to. So that really puts a positive to it. Mm-hmm. Will you Definitely. post photos of your meter bags on our Facebook pages? Digital Diva? Sure. Because everyone's going to yeah, want to know sure. what you're carrying. You know, you guys are so <laughs> glamour, fearless, and fabulous. I love having you on the show. Thank you so much for celebrating. Thanks for uh, sharing your letters of love to your meters tonight. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. All right. Have Let's a good night, you. everybody. All right. Here we come. Guess what, everybody? Oh, those two divas are all women. But in 1980... Lisa Stansfield won Search for a Star, a singing competition, and we received a Grammy Award nomination for Best Pop Vocal Performance and Best New Artist. Let's take a listen to one of her popular ballads. All right, we're going backwards and forwards with the show tonight, everybody, to show you that you can reverse some things in life and look at mistakes in a positive way. And our next real-life diva is truly an inspiration. I had the pleasure of meeting her. Please welcome Sherry from Long Island. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Max. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show this evening. Thank you for coming so glamorous. You're the best-dressed guest so far. Are are those real diamonds? (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Thank you. Incredible. That red carpet look, it's a sensational (laughs) 10. (laughs) All right, so in honor of our fourth anniversary, you know, I wanted to have you on the show. You actually came to our Full Blossom fashion show back in January. We met, and then you brought me to Stony Brook, the hospital where you work, and we got to put on a presentation for the nurses. And you and I had a chance to really chat a little bit about your experience living with diabetes and some of the changes you've made. So can you share that with our audience tonight? Well, you know, like so many people, um, being African-American, we have a long history in my family of diabetes. I can remember my grandmother going blind when I was a little girl. And at that time, you really don't understand what's going on. Not really. Um, When I became pregnant with my daughter from 20-something years ago, I had gestational diabetes. And they warned me. They said female fat in 40, which I was all of those things or about to be, that I really was at risk for developing um, another form of diabetes because um, after I had the the child, my diabetes went away. Of course, I didn't pay that much attention to it, and I developed diabetes. 
Um, I was told by um, a psychiatrist friend of mine, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, that um, a few of her clients had had weight loss surgery. And, of course, I wasn't ready to hear it because I was in so much denial about everything and didn't do as you advocate. I didn't take care of myself. Um, so my diabetes became out of control. My hemoglobin A1C was up to 13. My doctor warned me that I was going to have to go on insulin if I didn't do something. Mm-hmm. So he gave me a chance, and I had a couple of friends who had uh, had weight loss surgery. So I had the lap band procedure. And when did you, so? What year did you have the lap band procedure? Oh, it must have been at least five or six years ago. And what that did, it helped me to get my to lose weight, right, and get my um, the nutritional status under control and my diabetes under control. So did you reverse your diabetes through that surgery, would you say? Well, you know, like you, I don't know that I like the term reverse because Mm -hmm. it's never really gone. And even with the weight loss surgery, I can still overeat, but I can say that my numbers are now under control with uh, diet, you know, uh, changing my diet. Okay, I no longer have to take medication. And before that, I must add that I had diabetic neuropathy and a lot of other things that, you know, comes along with uncontrolled mm-hmm. diabetes. I was taking a lot of medication, and now I don't take anything. You're off all oral medications completely. I'm off all oral medications as long as, you know, my numbers um, are, are good. Um, what I was think the experience that, like, I'm sorry, I just want to ask, like, what was the experience like going through the surgery? Because a lot of people I don't think really understand how different it is when you wake up after surgery like that. Can you just tell us a little bit about what it was like the first year? Um, you know, things change kind of quickly. Um, the surgery was, was okay. They do a lot of preparation for the surgery, psychological testing to make sure you understand, understand your responsibility. Um, it's no quick fix, as a lot of people think. Right? I still have the same temptations and the same challenges with diet and food. Um, the first year, um, of course, and still to today, I eat less. I try to make better food choices. Right? It's still a struggle. It's not a magic cure. It's not... Um, something, you know, that generally even comes easy after the surgery. We still have to maintain ourselves and watch out. Um, I lost um, 80 pounds. And that 80 made a big pounds? Difference. Yes. <laughs> I lost 80 pounds. You know, and I've managed to keep it off. Mm-hmm. You have, you've kept it off. You've lost 80 and stayed with 80 off the entire time. Um, give or take five or six or maybe seven pounds or so, yes. I, I Is try it a little... To, is mm-hmm. it a little bit more difficult now than it was initially? No. Um, I, well, initially, I think you're kind of on a high, oh, my God, it's the thinnest I've ever been. Oh, my God, I'm finally under 200 pounds. Oh, my God, I can shop in the regular section at the store. <laughs> um, but the greatest benefit really is to my health and, you know, with regard to my diabetes. But as I said, it's a struggle every day still. It, it's a tool, as we say. Right. I like. I feel like you have a really healthy attitude about it. I want to bring in our Charlie's Angels of Outreach because um, we're going to start talking about this concept of reversing diabetes. And so please welcome to the show Neva White from Philadelphia. Ooh, yeah. Hi, Max. Hi, Neva. Patricia Addy Gentle from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Max. And Kathy Gold from Washington, D.C. 
Hi, Max. Ooh, All right, Neva, you just heard about uh, Sherry's story about the gastric band um, surgery. I know you work at Thomas Jefferson University. I want to talk to you first because I know you, you have a very successful program, the DISH program. You do a lot of outreach to the community as well as host Divabetic Club every month, um, which is free, and check out our website for those details. What's your feeling on, on this idea of um, these weight loss surgeries? Well, I, I kind of echo what Sherry said. Uh, you know, we hear a lot about uh, gastric bypass and reversing diabetes, but I kind of agree with Sherry. I look at it more as diabetes being in remission because there are some other mechanisms that we haven't addressed, such as beta cell destruction and also lifestyle. You know, we can always revert back to um, overeating and things of that nature, so... I'm uh, I'm in agreement with Sherry on what she was saying. And how about you, Kathy Gold? You work with um, several different populations in the D.C. area. You're on, a, on several different committees. Have you had any experience with? I mean, what do you first? What do you think of reversing your diabetes, and then what do you think of the whole idea of some of these weightless surgeries used for reversing diabetes? Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I'm not sure reversing is the best thing. I like to tell patients that you know you can keep this from progressing we can we can stop kind of stop stop the the car from moving forward a little bit and kind of keep things from progressing i had it i did actually have one patient that had gastric bypass surgery because he broke his ankle and he was too heavy for it to heal and that was the treatment that they chose to get the ankle to heal because he would never be able to walk again and he did really well but um i think people learn to work around it so you have to have ongoing support with these things because it's not it's it's lifestyle change just like diabetes this surgery requires lifestyle change you can't go back into those old eating habits um so i think it gives people i think hope that people that never could you know had difficulty losing weight and you know the thought of losing 80 pounds is really you know huge but i think it gives them I think you build on successes. So hopefully if you have the right counseling and the right support, it can be very, very successful. Patricia um, from Atlanta, Georgia, you know, we did our first program there at the Fox Theater in 2006 because that's where Luther performed. I want to take my outreach there. You know, Luther would gain and lose 100 pounds through the course of my 13 years working for him. I was, you know, why I don't like the term reverse diabetes is because when Luther would lose the weight, everyone said he no longer had diabetes. And then when he had the stroke right before the release of Dance with My Father, I was so shocked because he had only been living then with diabetes for about six months, if you counted when he gained the weight back. And the reality was the doctor told me Luther Vandross had diabetes for over 20 years. And this was accumulation of some mismanagement uh, that, that why the stroke happened. So it really, to me, was very misleading and really upset me because I just felt very ignorant, which is why for the past four years, I like to ask the dumb questions on this podcast. But I'm curious to know, what are your feelings around this term, reversing your diabetes? I totally disagree with the term. Um, the, the gastric uh, bariatric procedures are successful in many cases, but that term of reversing diabetes <laughs> is definitely a misnomer in my mind because so many people like you 
are misled, and, and rightly so, because that's what a lot of doctors will say, that we are reversing your diabetes. And they truly believe that once they stop taking medications, they no longer have diabetes. Um, the weight loss, the lifestyle changes, and all the various things that they have done for better management, of course, is a part of that success. And with the gastric bypass, if it is successful, um, you know, the sleeve or the banding, if there are successful procedures, there's a drastic change in lifestyle. And so the person who's undergone the procedure has gone through all types of motivational evaluations and uh, they're, they're well learned on what they have to do in lifestyle changes in order to lose the weight. So they have a more disciplined approach to managing. Uh, they are managing diabetes well, much better. They see improved numbers. But, of course, you know, I like to speak in analogies, in uh, terms that people understand. So when I'm doing classes, what I normally say is imagine the grass. In the winter, it's no longer green, and it's because the conditions are not favorable for that grass to grow. And the same with diabetes. Once you remove the favorable conditions, uh, the sunlight, the things that grow and increase blood sugar, um, like meals and high sugary treats, once you remove that, then you will see, I guess we can say, remission from diabetes. But as soon as conditions are favorable and you start adding back those bad habits that weren't so good um, and you gain the weight and no longer are practicing that great lifestyle that uh, the surgery led to, then you see the numbers creep up. And diabetes is definitely not uh, reversed. It's still there. The conditions have been removed that increase those numbers. But once you um, reinvent that wheel, of overeating and doing things that are not so healthy, the numbers are going up again. So it's not reversed in my mind. Well, you know, and Sherry, you know, I had no idea where the angels were going to fall with this topic. I mean, if we were on The View right now, this is why Sherry Shepard and Jenny McCarthy are leaving, because they wanted to have people who have different opposing views. But I'm thrilled that, you know, we all kind of agree around this reversing diabetes. It's shocking to me that there's a million books out there all with this health claim of reversing diabetes. And I certainly, you know, hope you understand that. I just, I was really excited to have you on the show to talk about what was working for you and understanding, you know, how important these surgeries can be to really changing uh, a healthy lifestyle, which has happened to you, right? Oh, yes. Oh, no. Of course, I certainly understand what you're saying because, as someone said, it is a misnomer and it's misleading. I will always have diabetes. Just the degree to which I manage it may vary, and the, hopefully the consequences will be lessened by my ability to continue to manage it. But I'm always going to have diabetes in my mind. I mean, it's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> All right. But no, well, you know, certainly, of course. I will always play games. So we're going to play a game. Hey, it's our fourth anniversary, everybody. Of course we're going to play a game. But first, of course, we have to listen to July's diva inspiration, Lisa Stanfield, who says she's proud to be a woman because she feels strong and sexy and thinks those feelings are what she reflects in her music. Let's take a listen to another song by Lisa Stanfield. Yet to come and they won't that be fine. 
Ooh, la, la, the best is yet to come, everybody. And, hey, check out my Lisa Stansfield um, playlist on my YouTube channel at Diva Bedek. Just go to our website, divabedek.org, and you can listen to all my favorite Lisa Stansfield songs, as well as past inspirations, including John Legend, Fantasia, Sarah Bareilles, and even the Pointer Sisters. Now, our first game is Diabetes Time Machine. Sherry, you're going to try to put these three milestones from the late 1980s and early 1990s in the correct chronological order, starting with what you think happened first. If you're confused or you'd like to have some help, you could phone a friend, in which case it would be one of the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Neva, Kathy, or Patricia. Here we go. Okay. The diabetes control and complications trial is concluded and shows that keeping blood glucose levels are clo- as close to normal as possible shows the onset and progression of, the, of eye, kidney, and nerve damage caused by diabetes. So it showed that when it came out with this trial that if you had controlled your blood glucose levels, that you can slow down the progression of eye, kidney, and nerve damage. Okay? That's number okay. one. Number two, I don't know if you're familiar with this talk show host, Oprah Winfrey, but she shows off a dramatic 67-pound weight loss resulting from a liquid protein diet called Optifast. And your third milestone from the late 1980s, early 1990s is Eli Lilly releases a new fast-acting insulin called Humalog, probably right when Jessica Clark was diagnosed with diabetes, I bet. Which one happened first? Ooh, let's see. Number one? You're going with the diabetes control complication trial? Yes. And what are you saying came second? Um, ooh, let's see. Oprah Winfrey losing 67 uh, pounds or the okay. release of a new fast-acting insulin hemolog? I think um, Oprah Winfrey. Okay, and so you're going with Eli Lilly? Yes, for number three. Okay. She got she got a couple wrong. Who do you want to phone? Do you want Neva, Kathy Gold, or Patricia Addy Gentle? All right, Neva. Neva. Yeah. Okay. Because she's got prizes. This is our anniversary special, so there's prizes at stake, Neva White. What do you What do you think happened first? (laughs) Well, Sherry, believe it or not, uh, actually, Oprah Winfrey. It was 1988 that she lost her 67 pounds. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Uh, and then second was the diabetes control and complications trial, which was actually 1993. And then Eli Lilly uh, released a new fast-acting insulin called Humalog. That was actually in 1996. So you didn't okay. do too bad. Uh. <laughs> Oh, all right. Thanks. You know, yeah, not but this bad. is really, it is kind of interesting about Oprah with this dramatic weight loss, these liquid fasting diets. You know, Kathy Gold, you always hear about going on these detox juicings and stuff, you know. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that with diabetes if you do these liquid protein drinks? Kathy Gold? Okay, we'll throw it to Patricia Addy Gentle. What's your feelings on that? Well, um, I think any time you lose the weight, it works. It works. It it produces weight loss. But any time you lose the weight fast that way without a lifestyle change, because that's something you're not going to do for a lifetime. So you will go on things like um, quick dieting, um, and, yes, the weight is lost, but it's not the type of weight loss that you can maintain. 
Now, you know, and Neva, I want to throw this to you because this was a big deal about the diabetes control complications trial when it, when it came out, correct? Because up to that point, yes. doctors had a totally different view on this. Is that true? Well, I think the most important thing was to show that the importance of lifestyle change and how significant lifestyle changes were in managing diabetes because, I mean, we felt, we, you know, we, everything was so heavily on medication, but we saw that, you know, it's just as much lifestyle as medication and uh, stress management. All of these things are factors in diabetes management, and this whole idea of, um, you know, keeping that A1C7 or below reduced complications. I'm sorry, you dropped off at the end. Oh, and I said, and, you know, keeping your A1C at a 7 or below, you know, the significance of that in terms of reducing complications associated with diabetes. Okay, and Kathy Gold, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, so Humalog, before before we had Humalog, what kind of insulin did people have? I think this is so interesting that Humalog came out. I mean, I know that, you know, prior to that, back in the 70s and early 80s, what were people using? Did I stump her? Perhaps I did. Patricia, want to answer that one again? Before the fast-acting insulin, we had the, the insulins that um, it, it took them longer to start to act. Uh, they were in the bloodstream a lot longer than the fast-acting insulins, and so we have much better management of blood sugars with the faster-acting insulins. Is Kathy there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can now. Okay, I, we had a power outage and the lights, everything went off. <laughs> Sorry. You're po- oh. Well, that's great. We, we should have breaking news on our fourth anniversary podcast. Our Charlie's Angel Outreach is having a power outage in, was- <laughs> in the Washington, D.C. area. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, guess what, everybody? If that's the case, then we need to head into our final uh, guest and see what she's doing because we're reversing the show tonight to show that you could use your mistakes as inspiration to go after your dream and your goal. It's taking you one step closer to where you want to be if you look at it as a learning experience, not blame yourself or shame yourself. And to do that, that means you can't deny it. So our July Diva Inspiration, Lisa Stanfield, is going to give us one more song. Let's hear it. All right, everybody, here she is, poet Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Max. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for being a part of the show and helping us flip the script, so to speak, on the show tonight. What did you think? You're usually the first guest, and tonight you're the last guest. Well, it's very interesting. Well, first let me say congratulations to you and uh, to all of tonight's guests and all of your regulars. I'm, I'm proud to be one of your regulars. Um, I, I thought it was a great show. I love what everyone had to say. I love the uh, pineapple upside-down cake recipe. I loved um, all the comments. I loved uh, Sherry's comments about uh, her weight loss surgery, and I was glad to hear from her. Uh, I, just, I just think you keep getting better. Well, thank you, and thanks. You make it better, so we're so glad to have you back on the show again every month. I mean, you started with us last year. I mean, no, you started with us back in December 
uh, when you were a guest because we had uh, doc, Dr. Beverly Adler. We were right. showcasing her book. You read a poem that's featured in her book, My Correct. Sweet Life, Stories of Successful Women, which they could get on Amazon.com. And then after you did that show, I asked you if you would come back and do more poetry because I just loved having you on the show. And as you heard from our first guest, Mama Rosemary, you certainly have a lot of fans from all the great poetry you do. But I'm curious, how do you feel about this term, reversing your diabetes? I, I think I, I what well, I don't think. I know I agree with what everyone has said. I think it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's a misnomer. I think that um, uh, I, I love the analogy of, of the grass. I think that's a perfect way to look at it. It's It's always there, even though it might be dormant, you know. Um, so I, I disagree, and I, and I see a lot of books, and a lot of people send me articles, and um, uh, you know about how to reverse your diabetes and things that you can do that that will reverse your diabetes. And I always tell them I, I don't think that's going to happen. Not that I, you know, can't do better, or not that I can't make progress, but um, I, I think it's dangerous for people to think they can reverse this. This is a chronic illness, and um, I agree with what everyone said. Well, you know, um, we're all dying to hear your poem, so please share that. And then I have some breaking news because Lisa Cruz, uh, Leslie Cruz, who's in our chat room, just said that she was part of that first diabetes trial that we just had on the on the uh, timeline. So we're going to have to hear, hear more from that with Neva White in a minute. But first, read us your poem. Wow, well, that's that's way cool. Um, <clears throat> well. Uh, I, I, I got to thinking about the theme of tonight's show, and I love the idea that you were working backwards and sort of putting everything in reverse. So when I sat down to write this poem, I thought about what reversal really means and um, how we can work with it instead of against it. So the name of my poem is Reversal. Reversal is the word today, looking back, looking at, looking forward, reversing the trend, reversal of fortune, stepping out of the past and peering into the present in a backward flip that stands the earth on its end, in the end, in the beginning, in the womb of thought, going over, going in, going through. Where we are now, who we were then, in the thick of confusion and wonder, and now seeing it all clearly as we relive, rehash, renew. Tell the story, be the story, own the story in all its glory. Learn from, benefit by, grow with. To see where you've been and know where you're going, and like where you are, and love what's becoming. To celebrate your journey, to embrace your less-than-perfect moments with grace and charm and a damned good sense of humor, a requirement for true enlightenment. But true reversal is not possible. Only growth and awareness and the ability to do better today. For we cannot reverse the clock. Only our time in the here and now is important. So let's look back and move forward. Let's rehash and make progress. Let's remember and do better. 
reversal of only the fear to be who we are today and live in our true power. I mean, Lorraine, that really captured to me what it's about. And, you know, I want to celebrate two things on this podcast. One of them is uh, one of them is actually Neva White because she's such an incredible educator. And I know at Diva Club Philadelphia, we had a woman with diabetes who has uh, had an amputated leg who used to come. And I, Aniva, I just can't believe that when you use the term reversing diabetes, what would it mean to someone who was amputated? Like why, you know, like Lorraine just says in this poem so beautifully about looking back and moving forward, but to tell someone they could reverse their diabetes who's already gone through a severe complication, to me is just slapping them in the face. Well, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is, uh, you know, you know, I just think that we have to be very careful with our words, and and you know, people sort of run with things. They, you know, they get they get pieces of information and they run with things. So we have to be very careful with our words and our explanations. And Patricia, you're such an amazing educator too. We work together on all those makeover your diabetes events crisscrossing the country, you uh, took every challenge I gave to you and ultimately ended up really talking about intimacy issues that really um, break down relationships as well as break down people's spirit. And I know when we talk about sexual issues and sexual wellness around diabetes, reversing diabetes for some men is possible with getting back some of the mojo that they might have been missing, correct? That's correct. Um, Better management, better numbers, will increase that uh, the ability to, um, you know, or, or kind of decrease the risk for the sexual dysfunctions. And certainly, Sherry, you know, we talk about this weight loss surgery, and I know you talked a little bit about the fitness component, but when you're losing that much weight and that quickly, I, I know we, they don't really focus on it that much, but it is a big part of the plan, is it not, to become more active in your lifestyle? Yes, and and prior to the surgery, you go all of the all of over all of the things, the expectations, and you're encouraged to, as um, someone said, do a total try to do a total lifestyle change gradually, exercise, movement, changing your mindset, the support groups, and all of those things are very important in maintaining and being successful. And Taryn, I know you've been in the fork in the road with your diabetes as of late, two and a half years. There's still a lot of things going on. You're still learning a lot about your diabetes. You didn't really give us an opinion about where you fell in with the concept of reversing diabetes. How do you relate to it? I don't really like the idea, the concept of reversing either. I I tend to think that I'm stuck with it, and I like to think in a more forward fashion. I like to think of how can I improve my diabetes um, because, you know, from what I've read, from what I understand and from what we've all talked about today, I don't really think that it is a reversal but rather perhaps a remission for some lucky people, but for many of us um, it doesn't seem like much of a probability. So I like the word improvement and I'm just working always towards improvement. I love it. Well, you know, I want to thank everyone for being on the show tonight and let you know you can subscribe to the Divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org, visit Divabetic's Facebook fan page, group pages, and check out What's Fresh, my videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel. Plus, next month we're going to be airing our show on Tuesday, August 12th. You can come to the Mr. Divabetic comedy show. That's this Sunday, July 13th at the Greenwich Village Comedy Club. 
Lorraine Brooks and I will be there along with DJ Turn comedian Tom Ragu and Nikki Sunshine. And I want to say thank you all for listening for the past four years. I've truly enjoyed it. We're going to end the show with one more song by Lisa Stanfield. Remember, I'm so glad to be part of your entourage. Let's stay happy and healthy together. Sometimes I get the feeling I was back in the old days long ago When we were kids